Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 108 of the Galen Trombley Show. We have a returning guest today. Um, a lot of you may know him from um, walking around town doing his thing, Mr. Adam Crosley. Hey, buddy. I'm glad to be here. And uh, so, Adam, people that don't know you, if they haven't listened to the first podcast, just give them a real quick uh, background on you very fast, and then we'll go right into it. Uh, Adam Crosley, uh, branch manager of uh, Cross Country Mortgage. Been doing mortgages for 13 years now, and uh, yeah, like helping people, doing so, what we can to give back. So I've seen this the other day. So you're, th- you're been, okay, you're 13, so you've been doing real estate three more years than me, like yeah. in, in the field. Um, what, give us a background on your start to where you are now, because th- you're one of the people, we've been communicating now for close to a decade. Yeah. And... I always tell people I still remember the uh, the paint bucket story. Um, so kind of like meaning like I always find it fascinating when people start and having known you from kind of earlier beginnings in the company to where you're where you're at now, kind of the growth and the, the growth you've had over the last ten years, and kind of seeing it from kind of an up close level because I've saw yeah. you know, I've seen you at many different points, you know, building this whole thing up. And uh, business is just a wild ride, and I think you and I bounce a lot of ideas off of each other, and kind of, you know, I think mutually try to help each other grow. Absolutely. So, kind of give, I guess, give us a glimpse as to like where you started, and how you now are different from 13 years ago. Well, we help a lot more people. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a team. Um, you know, it's we. Uh, there's there's a lot of automation. There's a lot of. Uh, it's a business. Um, you know, my first year in business, uh, I helped 27 families. Um, this year, we're going to help around 280. Um, and it's uh, so yeah, it's, it's phenomenal <laughs> growth, a thousand percent growth over. And, and you were over obviously decade. by yourself at that time. Uh, I, so I started, um, actually with Lake city mortgage, which was a local brokerage, um, here and then bounced around to a a couple of companies and, uh, went out on my own 2014 ish. Um, and yeah, I would say about, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe 2013, something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. We've been able to help a ton of people and it's been, it's just been awesome. What do you think, and staff-wise, I mean, you, you've grown beyond yourself to what, probably, how many people do you have within your branch? Uh, so I have seven staff and two other salespeople. So, I mean, you got to look at two. I always, so again, total. talking about like creating jobs and kind of, yeah. you know, as you start from a company, I think that's one of one of the fascinations I've had in the last couple years, which I didn't have prior. And, and I always say that you're always, uh, you're about five years ahead of me. I think I'd kind of like, Everything I've seen you do, I, we kind of try to. I try to kind of get to that point in about five years, and it's been pretty spot on so far. So I'm, I'm excited sure. now that. Well, dude, it's been awesome to watch you grow. Like it, it, in the just it, the meteoric success that you've had, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it, it's 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 kind of like putting your what is it like jumping in like feet first, kind of their head for I don't know yeah. what the saying is, but um, it I find and I use this perfect analogy for you. 
uh, was our skiing, me learning how to ski, <laughs> was basically like, hey, we're going to go down that mountain. Uh, we're, we're talking about Whiteface. I'm not a very good skier. I've gotten better. He's gotten but, much better. But then, I've got, <laughs> then if, I went with you and you're like, we're just going to go down that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then no, knowing that is way outside my comfort zone. But I find that business is a lot like skiing for me. It's kind of I get thrown down much faster, get pushed much faster than I, I mm-hmm. was kind of anticipating, mm-hmm. or maybe thinking I'm ready for, and then you just kind of figure it out on the way. And that to me is kind of how you've, I think, done a lot of stuff over the last ten years. Yeah. Well, I think if you're doing it right, you're scared a lot. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it's you know, people think it's it's easy, and you know, like it, and that it's it's fluid, but it's 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 scary. You know, like you know, like I'm I'll, I'll never forget hiring my first person. I'm just like. Uh, I, I hired somebody part time and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to make sure I'm doing sales only activities when I brought them on. And, uh, I'll never forget. Charlie Linder was his name. I remember, I remember Charlie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh, he was actually in my college fraternity and like, I, I stopped by the, the fraternity house, you know, and, uh, one day and just like, you know, I randomly do that like, before I had kids and like bring like a 30 pack or whatever. And, and, uh, and I just, I'd never met the guy and he was sitting on the couch, like, uh, just watching a football game or whatever. And he's like, so how does uh, quantitative easing affect your business? I'm like, how the fuck do you know how to even ask that question? You know, you're quantitative, uh, <laughs> what? quantitative easing, which was something that the government was doing, uh, coming oh, out geez. of the great recession um and uh i was like you're a junior in college how do you even know to ask that question like what <laughs> you pay attention way too much <laughs> exactly <laughs> and uh so anyway I, I i brought him on just to do some uh just some kind of paperwork and do some uh, the, the lower dollar an hour activities um and then he was working at Bed Bath and Beyond, and he wanted to stay up in Plattsburgh this summer. And I was like, and we had a conversation. And what my part of the understanding of the conversation was, um, you could come and work for me for the same amount of time that you're uh, that you're on right now, the same cost to me over the summer, and I'd be cool with that. He took it as the same dollar rate full time. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna jump into this head first, and it was. Uh, um, it was scary and, and I'll, I'll never forget like paying. And it, I mean, it wasn't, it was just like, you know, I forget what minimum wage was back then, but it was like, you know, four or 500 bucks a, a month. And it was a, that I was, I was shitting bricks writing those checks, you know, like it was, it was, it was hard, but it also allowed me to take the time to do the activities that I knew would grow my business. And then, then because I was able to do that, you know, I was able to grow. So, one of the, uh, and I talked about this because we always, we've always had people that worked here. So, mm-hmm. um, Debbie, I mean, you remember oh, Debbie yeah. and Pat from long ago, <laughs> and then they both retired. And Nicole came on. So, Nicole does basically Deb- Debbie's role. And then I got to the point where, even knowing, knowing I had Debbie, so really I always had, an, and Nicole now, I've always had an assistant for the closing aspect. It was, I started to get bogged down by the day to day stuff. Mm-hmm. And we brought on Nick. Um, in June and it was the same thing even though it was kind of like a company hire for me it was one where and she does some other stuff beyond what I, I need her to do but um, that was still kind of nerve-wracking too because it's like do I have enough for this person knowing that I do but knowing um, and it's not the afraid of delegating it's just afraid of like do I ha- am I doing enough that warrants um, or can I always work more so my thing was how do I maximize my efficiency in the day mm-hmm. where literally I just don't waste time and I get all my stuff done instead of hiring someone? And last year I did a lot, I would say at a pretty high level of efficiency mm-hmm. and was still like, like kids go to bed, still working for two hours at night. And then it got to the point where things were just, I was, I got, to, I remember 
clients calling or texting me throughout the day and I'd be calling them like at night on my way home and texting them like late at night when I'm like, why, why couldn't I have gotten back to them at two, three o'clock in the afternoon? Mm-hmm. Now someone like Nick can get to them almost in real time. Um, or I just, I can't get to them. I forward it off to her and she'll reach out if I know it's something that she could probably handle, which you're kind of the same, but that was the, that was kind of the tipping point where I need, I need someone because if I'm not getting the clients within, I don't get, not, it doesn't have to be within the hour, but within a couple hours at least, mm-hmm. um, it was, uh, I just found that I wasn't providing the level of service that I wanted. And that's when I knew, okay, listen, I got to switch stuff up. So now having two people pretty much helping me on stuff where that allows me to go out and do either business development, allows me to do just actual sales or, or, you know, working on stuff on the business that we've talked about, like that has been such a huge factor that mm-hmm. now I'm to the point where I'm kind of, I think it was like you a few years ago, how can I hire more people? Mm-hmm. And now my mindset switched to like, let's start creating more positions in the company because I know that bringing that person on will, will exponentially grow us, even though it's scary and you don't think it's going to happen. I'm still kind of like, I'm now kind of a believer now, which I knew, but I didn't. And now I have a little re- like real world, ex- real world example, but I already have a couple people in mind position wise that I want to hire over the next probably two to three years. Cool. So I don't know. I just, I've taken a lot from you watching you do it, but it's like you, by bringing people on, like you've never, from my understanding, you probably had had this once or twice, but I would say you have a pretty good success rate of bringing people on and your business grows. Well, and I I think one of the things, and I'll, you know, kind of get into the point where you said you were working at home and doing different things. I remember I pulled you aside a couple of years ago and I was like crying to you. Like, yeah, it was like, don't, you know, make sure you put your family first. You know, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I've definitely stumbled the wrong way sometimes, you know, like, I mean, I went through a divorce and I went through some things because I put my business in front of my family and I, uh, um, you know, I had a hard, I don't know, I had an emotional couple of years there, you know, just trying to get back on my feet. And it was, it was, it was really tough and, and really learning to priority management, well, not even time management, but, but priority management mm-hmm. is like, you know, my family and my kids are my number one thing. You know, like, and it's, and putting that at the top of my plate and fitting business in and around it, you know, because before it was, you know, Larissa didn't work and I, I I was the sole provider, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was, it was tough, you know, I mean, I I had to make that money so that my family could eat and I took that to an extreme and it was, you know, I mean, honestly, it was, it wasn't a, there wasn't any level of humbleness about it. I was just really trying to grow for myself, you know? And, um, but, and I think that's, that's kind of been the big thing is that I've realized in the last few years is making sure that no matter how fast you're growing and, and what you're doing, that you're doing it for the right reason, that you're giving back at a cert, at a super high level, whether it's to your employees, whether it's to the community, whether it's to do that. And, I, I think that you just gotta be no, no matter where the growth is, you have to have the right intentions in mind. And no matter what happens in business, it's always going to be okay. And I honestly think that the more you help more people, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, whether that's homes, jobs, uh, donating things in the community, whatever it is, you're going to get everything you want and more. Yeah. The law of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, yeah, no, I re- remember those, um, remember that conversation pretty vividly and, and the, with, with you. And I think the, uh, the thing that I've always looked at was the reason I went into real estate with like, you know, um, was it 20? 
Yeah. Originally, I, re- I went into real estate for a couple of things. One, I was going to be able to have better hours working and not work serving ice cream. <laughs> and I was going to make more money and have better hours. I mean, Creamy's is great, though. It was great. It was a great. It, it actually was back in back in high school. But by the time I got to college, I'm like, I'm out of here. No, like, I want to own the place, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah if I'm not owning the place, I'm out. So, the, uh, so basically left. And then I also had in my head, like, because I went in for teaching. I went in undecided. I was going to mm-hmm. do teaching or real estate, which again, as an 18-year-old, my mom did te- was a teacher. My dad did real estate. So I had no really firsthand account of any other business. So it was like, I don't know. I'm going to like kind of like a lot of 18-year-olds. You just kind of, I don't know what to do next. So I'm just going to go, you know, my mom and dad do something. So I guess I've seen what they do. So I have a little bit more knowledge and, and uh, understanding of it. And not that I had a lot of understanding of real estate, um, but I the one thing that, the only thing I really got from my dad from real estate wise at that point in time, because I, as an 18 year old, not paying attention to your parents' work. Not at all. The only thing that I really took away from it was that he was able, he was very available to us for sports, for games, for trips, for travel. Um, you know, if I had a school function, he was there. Like I was one of those kids that he was, and my mom did a very good job with it too. They were just at everything. And that was really cool as a kid to just know your mom and dad were there, even to the point where, you know, you'd go to sporting events and like kids would ride home with your parents because their parents couldn't go, but your parents were there. So I always looked at that. And again, as a 20 year old, I remember having this thought, I was like, if I do real estate, I can pretty much set my schedule for when I have kids. Now I didn't have kids for at that time, eight years later, but it was the idea that I was thinking that long term. So my thought was with business was I wanted one was when I got married and started to increase my expenses, you know, Gina was working at that time. And I remember the time when Gina wanted to go stop what she was doing and focus more on massage. Mm-hmm. So here you go from her at least having insurance and her, and this was before I was on my own insurance. So this was like, you know, when I hit 26, I, things got real, real. <laughs> um, so I ended up having to have insurance. And then she also right about that time went full time, to massage yeah so we both were single self-employed um both in i relatively commission-based jobs i mean she does massage but she still had to get clients so mm-hmm. it wasn't like we weren't guaranteed anything and uh i remember those couple years being pretty chaotic and i i that's when i kind of started to like really double down my business and that was like around probably 2015 um going into 2016 and i remember um really just saying, listen, like backs against the wall, you got to do it. Cause there's some like tough months, you know, mm-hmm. as, as anybody, I think trying to get into a real estate would say. And, um, so we ended up getting through that, but the whole pur- purpose was like, I'm going to bust my ass now because again, when I have kids, I want to make sure that I'm available to the kids. Absolutely. And now that I'm month, five weeks away from my third, it's, which is crazy to think about. It's just, I've really focused Nuts, man. Yeah, the last couple. I know it's wild because again, you, you knowing me when I was basically like getting out of college. So mm-hmm. like, um, but this whole time, I've really had the focus of I'm going to bust my my tail right now with the idea that when my kids come along, I have more t- free time for them. So it's kind of been a perfect storm. Last year was a little more chaotic, but it was really the one year that I think was hard because I didn't have an assistant and I was really Mm -hmm. kind of going like crazy last year. And this year, for some reason, it's going to be better than last year, which is crazy to think, but bringing on an assistant has helped. So I have gotten home earlier most most days. Uh, My weekends, I think anybody that knows me knows I'm pretty much 
I don't do anything on weekends. Like, mm-hmm. like I, my Saturday and Sunday mornings for the most part is waking up and hanging out with the kids. That's and awesome. like the rest of the day, um, I, I really try to keep my weekends as free as possible just to hang out. And a good weekend to me is n- literally getting home Friday night and leaving Monday morning. I don't think there's a lot of realtors that can say that. I, I very I very rarely right now work weekends and I'm to the point now where I'm paying agents to go do my weekend stuff mm-hmm. to give me my free time on and, and again I've done weekends I've done evenings I've done all that yeah. stuff but I knew I had to get to a certain point in my career where I could I would have the, the the basically the freedom to do that and that was my thing like bust my tail so then I can and I'm still gonna work hard but it's one where I I want to as the kids get older you know I want to take them for mini vacations. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I, someone I, I, I saw this one time and he takes his son on a mini vacation every year, just him and his cool. son. So what I want to do with each kid. So now I have three kids is each kid. I want to take on a weekend vacation, like a long weekend, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing with each kid once a year, just me and them. And then I also want them to do the same thing with Gina, which means they, Basically, each kid gets two long weekends a year with mom or dad, and then we take. I would like to do a trip down to Florida, where mm-hmm. my in-laws stay, and my sister lives, and my parents visit once um, once a year, and then also do just a, just a family vacation with just the five of us. Very cool. So that's like that's one of my goals as a is be able to get to the point in a real estate business where I can step away for two full weeks a year plus three long weekends a year where it's just the family and that's stuff that I've had in my mind of like how do I build this up where one it leverages me but I also want to build it where people in our office can do the same stuff with like like when we split up the redid the commission structure and trying to hire on support for agents like I want to get to the point where people can go out and do that where they don't have to feel like they can't leave their house or and like you got to obviously put the time in it's not going to happen year one but I think we've set up a place where you, people could easily be doing that within three years of starting real estate, which I would say industry that's extremely fast, Absolutely. at least for the real estate industry. Huge, yeah. So like kind of what you had said to me was I've really tried to focus on, and it's, it's tough. I mean, parenting is hard. <sighs> Very, it's, yeah. it's probably the hardest, it's way harder than what I do here. Like this always seems like fun. Like parenting is like the work that's when i'm like oh my god these kids are really testing me i love them but they're like man they're like very rarely do i get uh, if you were my kid i'd murder you right like, uh, i'm not i'm not very like i like kids i like kids um but it's just when you have your own kid it's different yep like i, I like i love your kids your kids are great but it's just different like if i was to hold your kids versus hold my kids i'm way more comfortable holding my kids mm-hmm. in my arms versus your kids now, also partly because Benji's way smarter than me. Oh, come on. And that's, I mean, it, when, in certain aspects, he's, he's smarter, but that's all right. The, uh, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that's something that I've tried to focus on and, and hopefully can keep growing on that as I get mm-hmm. you know, more seasoned. But um, I think it's important, especially too, as the kids get older, just more fun to hang out with. Like yeah. they, every day, they just oh, get... that's true. I mean, Benji's seven, he'll be eight in the spring. It's like wild. It is nuts. Jeez. And, uh, you know, like he's he's turned into a cool little dude and like i give him projects and he's like i remember there was one time this summer i'm like i'm like uh you know him and hudson were out and uh we're like where where'd the kids go 
And like, and I, I go to the bathroom and I look out the back and like, there's a bonfire at 10 in the morning in the backyard. And I'm like, what? so I'm like, uh, <laughs> what's going on boys? And they're like, uh, they're like, well, we, we wanted to help you out, dad. So we, we went and got some hand saws and we stoked the fire up from last night and we were, we're cutting little trees down and, and we started a bonfire. We thought that we thought we'd be, we'd be really proud of that. Across the like, bonfire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is way different than a bonfire. <laughs> What what is the largest fire that bonfire that you've had? Was it the um, one? Where, was it one where all the fire trucks got caught? The, well, they've. The uh, I've had a couple of those. Uh, <laughs> there was, so I was clearing my land, um, and uh, my stepdad was an excavator operator, and he just uh, just retired. So I rented a fifty thousand pound machine from Taylor, and uh, I just went spent it one winter and just went berserk and like cleared like five acres. And he had this fifty thousand pound excavator, and he stacked it all, and uh, and it was uh, that uh, this was probably uh, probably three years ago, um, and uh, yeah, it was the year Levi was born, um, and uh, we were, you know, and I was up there, my my brother came up, and I burnt one fire, and it was it was fine, and then the next fire was fine, and and these were these were decent sized fires, you know, they were probably fifteen by fifteen, fifteen tall. I mean, they were they were not little things but we started like 10 in the morning and that one burned and the next one burned and then the the third one was burning and everything was going fine and and jake had to leave this is probably you know three in the afternoon whatever and uh and then larissa left she took the boys home and uh and so i'm just up at camp by myself and you know i'm just gonna like you know i've got like my little 30 horse tractor and there's no running water up there you know like we have a couple gallons of water and uh but you know it's all dirt because it was just all you know scraped scraped down and uh um, this ember jumped from that fire pit to the really big fire pit that Art built because um, it was just those tons of trees there. It was probably 20 feet wide by 70 feet long, uh, you know, 15 feet tall. It was just this big lot. I was going to wait till like a wet day, like, you know, and just kind of start at one end and let it burn through. Well, this uh, ember jumped 30 feet or whatever to that fire pit. And it was... Um, it landed right in the middle and I see this little smoke come from, come from there. And I've got like a Nalgene of water and I try to get up on it to see what's going on. And, uh, and I, as, as I'm going on there, I just see that there's this, like, I can just like, like inside this pile of trees, I can just hear cedar starting to crackle. And I dump all this of my Nalgene's on it to try and get to put it out. And I couldn't, and I'm like, I'm up here by myself. I, I got to call the fire department. I was a fire commissioner at the time. And I'm like, if it, if it jumped 30 feet from here, it's only 30 more feet to the woods. So I was like, I, you know, it probably would have been fine, but I called the fire department and just, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry in an instance like that. So, so this, did, so when you call the fire department, it wasn't actually like a full fire at that point. No, well, it was by the time they got there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they just do kind of a controlled burn. They just get surrounded. No, they, they put it out. Um, oh, they did. Okay. But it was, it, it, it had spread a lot and the embers were, cause it was pretty dry. It yeah. was, it was jumping and there was all these little spot fires that were starting all over the place. And you know, you know me, I got lots of little hand tools and hose and rakes and things. And, um, and thankfully I had enough cause they didn't have enough on the trucks and we, we were able to kind of keep it contained and put it out, but it was, it was a little wild, you know. <laughs> the uh, did, did you ever see the uh, the gender reveal guy? I think it was like Texas or something. Oh, the California wildfires. Was it California, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was this last they, year. Yeah, yeah, and he like tried to shoot. What was it? He did something with fire, and he tried to like do whatever it was the gender reveal, and he like mm-hmm. I think he was it, did he shoot a fire arrow? It was I something. No it was something. 
something dumb. He did it. He like missed the target and it like hit the brush in the back. And I think it burned like 8 million acres or something crazy. And I think the guy's on the hook for, or maybe he's on the hook for $8 million. It's something insane because he just like burnt yeah. all this land. And it was from a gender reveal thing. And I think he was a border patrol guy that did it. I was oh, like, wow. so I don't know how the whole thing transpired, but I just remember some guy doing that. So like on a gender reveal. So I'm like, you probably should stay away from fires and lawn and, you know, because I've seen a lot of people do like different things with guns or mm-hmm. shooting things like for gender reveals. And um, I don't know exactly how this whole thing turned, got pulled off, I guess, but there was fire involved and mm-hmm. obviously it burnt. So, uh, but not scared of fire. You know, I mean, dad was a firefighter. Grandpa was a firefighter. My brother's a firefighter. I was an interior firefighter, uh, fire commissioner now. Um, you know, like I, I, I've been around fires, big fires my whole life. You know, like if you're not stoking a, your bonfire with a tractor, it's, it's a little campfire, you know, like, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, like it's, uh, you know, but I, I knew, I know how to do that. I feel comfortable in doing that, but I also, because I've got so much time, you know, in that, I, I also knew when I, when it got away from me. And, you know, one of the things I've actually done since then, um, this is like my cool little redneck thing that I've done is I, <laughs> I built a fire skid for my truck. Uh, so I took a, a six by, uh, a six by four hardwood pallet, a 275 gallon ag tank, a two inch Honda trash pump. Uh, so I've got a pond on my property, but like if somebody's going over, like I can hard suck out of a pond or water, um, and continuously flow. I can blow that 275 gallons in eight minutes. I've got 800 feet of two inch uh, hose and it's all right there. I keep it empty and I, it's on my, my, my pallet forks from my tractor. I can pick it up, put it in the back of the truck, load it up. And I, if somebody's having a big bonfire, give me a call and I can come over and like have our own little fire department there on the ready. Really? Yep. Jeez. Where did, where did your love of like building come from? Cause I want to say like, you're, you're, I think you, you've gave me the quote. If, if, if you, what was it? You can't build it, buy it or don't buy it. If you can build it kind of thing. Yeah. So where did that like mindset come from? Because I would love to do that, but I'm just not that person. Uh, well, I mean, my, my dad was in construction and, um, you know, like my, my grandparents had, I think 21 grandkids, 22 grandkids or something like that. Family of five. They all had lots of kids, you know, like it was, um, and, and they couldn't buy presents for all of them. So, I mean, when I was a kid every year, I loved going to Christmas at Grammy and grandpa's because like we all got, all the cousins got a present that Grammy and grandpa made for us. So like one year it was a stool, one year it was like uh, a toy box, like uh, one year, you know, like it was all these different things, but, um, you know, wooden trucks doing all these different things. But it was, it was really neat to see at a very young age that you can take raw wood and turn it into something useful. And, you know, and just, I, I don't know, I, I, I just always love that. I've made, I've made toys for my kids and, um, I really, I really just enjoyed that. I think it's been fun, but, uh, I've learned a lot of just in <laughs> raw construction. Like I never, I, to this day, I haven't lived in a finished house. Like it's everything I've ever lived in has been under construction and like, you know, we're remodeling some part of the house at some point, you know, like it's, uh, it's just how I grew up. Um, that the one of the thing I've I've said I've talked to you about this, but I wish back in high school, like I've my mom's side of the family mm-hmm. extremely handy, my dad's side not so much, mm-hmm. and my dad just never grew up with it, never taught me. My mom had two brothers that are handy. Obviously, the girls in the family didn't really know a lot of stuff. So, um, like my like my grandma's brothers are all carpenters. My my great 
great grandfather built the old Chazy School. Was the master carpenter. Cool. Um, yeah, he's got a plaque on in the building. Um, well, from the old building, and then brought to yeah. the new one. Uh, my great grandfather was, you know, the, the, well, Wes was his last name. So, oh yeah, yeah. Long line of construct, uh, you know, contracting and stuff. So then I ended up like now I'm starting to like learn stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm to the point now where I would say I'm like a weekend warrior YouTube kind of guy, but there's still a certain point where I'm like a little bit beyond my time. It's probably not not so much comprehension because mm-hmm. I could think my way through it. But a lot of times it's like, how much time is this going to take me versus, you know, like, and that, that's where I always find, like, if I had time, then I'll do it. Like, I, I redid all the outlets in my house, which I know is not a big project, but for me, trying to learn, like, basic wiring was kind yeah. of a cool thing. So now I have a little bit better understanding of how uh, electric electricity works. But that was one was during COVID. I had time and I just figured it out. And uh, shout out Paul Deal. I called him a couple times. But um, <laughs> he, uh, Paul, Paul Deal, I, I want to give his uh, give his uh his name away but he said if you ever went into construction he'd be called as cut cutting corners uh construction <laughs> or cutting corners something so he, he's uh he's kind of one of those guys like i i was doing it by the book and he goes well you, you can do it that he goes I, I was talking about the outlet you know you're supposed to have the outlet ground on top yeah but like most people don't because it looks worse mm-hmm. so he goes well he goes he goes <laughs> A building code guy, yes, would want you to do that. Me, I couldn't stand it. So this is like this is Paul's analogy that like both sides work, but one is probably a little more frowned upon than the other. But mm-hmm. the uh, so trying to figure that out, I've done like light fixtures, I've done um, basic stuff around the house. Which when I do it, I'm like even the smallest thing, like putting trim down. I remember one day I had to f- like finish off this trim, and I had a, a kind of a matching board downstairs. And I got excited that I like did enough to like cut it and put it in place, and it actually looked halfway decent. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I, I did that, and I know it's so small, and like that would be something like you just like walk down like, oh crap, like you know like last minute thing you would do. And for me, it, it was quick, but like I like those little things. I'm slowly getting better at. Like I still want to try to put down flooring. I've never put down flooring, which I think would it's pretty easy i just put some down a few months ago dude i, I still it, put the trim up like you want to come up help me with put the trim yeah like that's <laughs> the stuff i would love to do because i and I, I get i understand how it all works but it's just the idea of like really cutting it down and getting the angles right and trying to make sure like you know spacing is correct and i've seen i've seen floor being installed so mm-hmm. i kind of understand it and again youtube i watch stuff but i don't have a, a super good knowledge of of everything and um like yesterday there's some electrical work that was being done in our house that i had to hire out there's no way i'm doing that you mm-hmm. know just one time and then two is just could I have hacked my way around and figured it out? Mm-hmm. Probably, but I felt way more, you know, way more uh, comfortable having an electrician come and do it. So um, eventually I'll get to that point. I've yeah. started to accumulate tools. There you go. Um, I, I know, I know, I know. Just call me Tim. Yeah. So, um, but, but uh, the, uh, we want to get these things for the kids. We don't eat at our house. Like mm-hmm. I would say, we, sorry, we don't sit down to eat at our house. Mm-hmm. Like we have an island, um, kind of an island offshoot kind of mm-hmm. thing, but there's only two spots for seats. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird design how it was made. Both kids go there with their high chairs. Mm-hmm. Me and Gina stand up the whole time and eat. So yeah. like, literally we don't sit down to eat. So we want to get these two th- seats for the kids where they, cause now they're getting to the point where they're trying to stand up all the time. Mm-hmm. And the one we were going to buy was all wood. And I'm like, I could, probably just easily build that because it's, it's, it's very simple it's like mm-hmm. you know it's almost like an, a raised stool but the problem is it's like a couple things i don't have is i don't have a, a jigsaw mm-hmm. and i don't have a router mm-hmm. which i think <clears throat> at least for woodworking I, i'm assuming those are two things you probably want to have in the arsenal mm-hmm. 
So I got I probably got to try to pick some of those up because I'd like to make. I won't have time to make it this year, but mm-hmm. it's stuff like that that I want to make. Because I remember doing it in school. You took a bandsaw or something. You could cut stuff out or uh, or a jigsaw. Jigsaw is more if you want to cut into something, right? Bandsaw is more if you want to go. I mean, like you can use a jigsaw for a lot of different things, but a jigsaw is like a portable scroll saw. You know, like it's you can make tight tighter turns, tighter corners. You can make you know fancier. Is a scroll saw the same as a bandsaw? Are they different? Uh, uh, no, a bandsaw. Well, a bandsaw is got a thicker blade. Okay. A bandsaw is more for straight cuts. A scroll saw has a thinner blade. So the idea is that the wood can turn around the blade. Mm-hmm. And a jigsaw, you think about it like you turn the the saw around the wood. So like if you got a big piece of wood, you use a jigsaw. If you got a small piece of wood, you can use a scroll saw. Okay. It's, it does the same exact thing. They both have a really tiny, thin, fine blade that has that that, that cuts, but you can do more intricate work with either one of those tools. Um, jigsaw, I, I use more on like construction sites, like um, like let's say you're like cutting out, uh, you know, like a like a corner for a window. Well, you can cut only so far without overcutting with a circular saw. You can get that last little bit with a jigsaw mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but. Yeah, so those are probably the two, and then a router. I'll send Benji over; he'll show you. I know that's exactly. Like a rou- <laughs> routers will get you this edge right here, correct. right? Yes, that's yeah, correct. so that's the one more for finished work. So that's correct. I gotta. Those are probably the two things. Like, again, I, I I have a better setup now, and I'm getting mm-hmm. to the point. Like, like I know this sounds like very basic to a lot of people, but I can I know now how to kind of like just mm-hmm. use my saws. I know how to like. I can go well, you in. Get the, some, you get some time behind him. You get some confidence, you know. Like, well, that, and I've done some stuff with you, which actually helps. Where we're kind of one where we do projects and never finish them, which is more my so fault. That's, than, that's my life, <laughs> and, and this is why I've actually gotten to, to a point where on bigger projects I actually hire them out now because my life. I was actually talking to my buddy Jimmy about this the other day. Like my life is full of eighty-five percent done projects. Like I, I'm, I'm really, really good at starting projects. Like I, the fire ready set aim. You know, like let's just do it. We'll start working, but then I have shiny object syndrome and I start working on something else and I never get it done. And that's where in business where I think I've done well is I've, I've brought assistants on and team members on to help come behind me and finish my projects. Um, you know, that makes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, see that. But in my personal life, like uh, that's why I've always, I think uh, I got that from my dad too. Like, you know, he's, he's gotten better as he's gotten older, but like, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, I'm really good at just starting this and, and getting it three quarters of the way done, getting it functioning, but not like, like, like the woods down, the, the flooring's done in my house, but the trim's not up, you know, so, like, <laughs> so why do you think you stop early on stuff? Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I just get distracted. I, I get it to a point where it's functioning or it's, um, it, it's, good enough good enough but it's you know it might not be done like i've got i just got i've had a lot of three quarter of the way finished projects and and coming like you get to a stopping point and then uh, also because we're busy you know like and then i might not get a chance to get back to that project or it becomes less of a priority and it's i've got a lot of three quarter do do you like finished work I love finish work. Yeah, yeah. Because I know some people are just like we just like the they like the like the rough, they like the framing, they like the. I honestly prefer doing finish work over everything. But the other thing is with the finish work, I'm super meticulous about it. Mm-hmm. Like like one of the things with the, the moldings in my house, like I, I just ordered a router bit, um, thinking from Amazon, thinking it was the the right one. It's not quite right, but I'm trying to match. So the house was built in 1832, and I'm trying to find a router bit 
that matches the old moldings. Mm. So that way I can go get some uh, oak, run it through, and literally, literally, once it's painted like the, the current moldings, you won't be able to tell the difference between the 2020, fin- the 2020 moldings and the 1832 moldings. It's insane how good, how long wood stays good for. Yeah. I mean, this is 1886. Like, yeah. I'm assuming this is the same wood. I doubt they would, this would be any different. Yeah. So you're talking this wood is 150, 150 years old? Well, but, but think about it. That's from an oak tree. And if you look how tight those grains are, and that's one of the things you can, that I've, I've as I've like studied wood, and I've done a lot of like really fine work and woodworking projects, is you think about it, that tree might have been 100 years old when it was cut. And then it had to dry for five or 10 years before it was, you know, like it was milled. And then, so it might've sat for five years before it was actually finalized. So that tree might've been from the 1600s or 1700s. That's wild. And that, that's common with, like, well, do you I mean, have to have wood sit for that long, typically, if it's just like raw wood out? Well, in the, it's, it's uh, uh, and I'm by no means an expert in lumber, but I think it's a, I think it's a, um, I think it's a, a like the, the the roundness of a of a log. So if logs two feet thick, I think it takes. If it's twenty four inches thick, I think it takes two years for that to cure. Wow. Okay. So if it's like three feet thick, it can take three years, et cetera. Wow. All right. Yeah. To yeah. Dry, I mean, completely that, get dry where it's you know it's millable and everything, et cetera. So you, you can mill those boards, but you wanna you wanna stack them and you know. Yeah. So this was eighteen eighty six. That means. Yeah, the tree was wow, and it's oak. You can tell it's oak. So, but and you look how tight the grains are on it, uh, and each one of those grains is a year. You know, a year of growth in that tree. Yeah, because this is in theory is one big piece. It's just been it's a, a log, and then they milled the log into individual boards, and they just routed it down. And then, yeah, how did they have a router back then? Eighteen hundreds. They had routers in eighteen hundreds. Really? Yeah. What did they run it? I mean. Dumb question, but what they run it off of? Um, they have they have let, like just will you just roll it or I mean press it or no they had generators they're not generally they're different uh, they had electricity there's this um steam power I mean like yeah well you can use a steam powder but there's uh what do you call it like the old farms have them so uh, I was uh, I went to this I bought this Amish shed last year right and like <laughs> from the Amish the, yeah the real the Amish, Amish out yeah. west okay. uh, uh, from the real Amish down south in uh, Westport. Davis Road in Westport. Really? Yeah. Uh, just outside of Reber, big town. Uh, <laughs> One road. I know, I know about Reber. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I was just out putzing around and I see this uh, this Amish guy and I just, I pop out and then like, and I got Benji and Levi with me and and I start talking to this guy and I, I, one of my passions is I fix up old tools. I love sharpening old steel. I love just bringing old things back to life. Um, and uh, it, anyway, so I just start, I, I probably talked with this guy for uh sam for i don't know maybe three four hours and then benji and levi just start hanging out with his sons and his son you know and I, my kids work but they don't work like these guys and like these guys put barns up these kids. well yeah i mean and there's a, a army of little men running around and they're basically it, it, what dad's got them doing is he's got a big bonfire next to this rock the size of a uh, Volkswagen bug you know like and he and then the kids are just taking sledgehammers and they're they're heating the rock up and beating it to get to fraction off little you know chunks that they can physically move themselves so that they can go put it on the stone wall and like they're taking this boulder and these like as I'm like talking to this my kids are out playing with these kids and they're literally destroying this rock but with fire and 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 sledgehammers and I'm like this is like you know like this is <laughs> it's just awesome and I'm talking to this guy but um 
his whole uh, he and he had this, had this beautiful finish work uh, wood shop. So he does the rough cut stuff, but he also has this beautiful finish work uh, wood shop where he's got uh, routers and table saws, and it's all. Um, it's not gas powered. It's like a uh, there's this type of machine where it basically uses a flywheel. Okay. So once you get the flywheel rolling, and then there's different pulleys that run that are off this machine in the basement um, that run up, and like there's a there's this chain that runs up to that with a uh, a, a drive uh, a shaft that goes to the route uh, to the. Uh, uh, to like the bandsaw and to the, the table saw and to the uh, the router table that basically spins it and it's all geared right. So all you got to do, but the, the crazy thing is, is when you turn that machine on, all the blades start spinning in the whole building. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, uh, man, I forget what the, the machine's called, but um, but they go for big money. Um, that is wild. Yeah. And that would get this this look. They could go and do yeah, all that. Yeah, well, you'd mill the boards and... Uh, You'd mill the boards, and then you'd um, let you know you'd let them dry, and then um, then you just run them through the router table. And there's a those are actually a couple different bits. So like there's a, a cove bit, so that's what's giving it that round shape in yep. the middle. Um, oh, the, this one right here. Yeah, yeah. So you that was probably run through. Uh, so there's one bit that's on the this far edge. Then no, the other side. The other side. Right here. Oh, keep going. Right there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then that cove center piece in the middle. And then, and then another bit, and then the other one that goes down to the end. So that was probably run through the router table five times. So they just keep adjusting it and just keep sliding yeah, it through. Just change the bit. Wow. And it gives it, and it eats away at the wood, and it gives it that nice milled finished look. It's just wild. Like, like, like one of the things, like if you've ever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my girlfriend laughs at me a lot because I like, like we'll be like watching, uh, we'll be watching different shows and like. Um, you know, like whatever it is, like, but like there sometimes they're in these old Victorian houses where these scenes are, and I just keep commenting about the moldings. Like, I'm not paying attention at all to what's the, what the story yeah. is. I'm like, do you see how those moldings are? Like, look at all those moldings. Like, look how they, look how they finished that. Like, it's, <laughs> I, I love old moldings. I, I, uh, I, well, I have a more, I have a better appreciation when I go into houses and stuff mm-hmm. and you start seeing different, um, it w- would one fascinates me because one, I'm not having a little bit of knowledge now, not great, but just like, understanding like the process of it and like how hard it is to get like raw wood actually got to finish our our uh me and ryan are working on a project a year ago lee and we haven't mm-hmm. finished yet i gotta is that your conference table yeah i gotta get back together on that but just seeing that process of like grabbing just rough cut mm-hmm. uh walnut and just you know uh stripping it all or was it what's that called uh planing it down mm-hmm. and going through and just like getting it to the point where we can use it and it's just amazing how much how good the wood looks after just running it a few times and just mm-hmm. getting all the rough off of it and mm-hmm. and uh it, it's like so pretty when it's done it just has like this natural shine to it mm-hmm. um i don't know it's it's really cool i think i think being doing woodworking would be fun i always find of like things that i can do where i don't have i can just check out Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, and I think that's why you do it is my guess is that it's just a kind of mindless where you can just put music on and just mm-hmm. go and listen or a podcast or whatever, but you're not, you're not on your phone. You're not, you know, tied to like, I got to do something and just like, I got all day just to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like seeing something to completion, kind of like mm-hmm. seeing like, here's a pile of dirt and it's got to be moved there, but you can see it happening over time, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think a lot of times in our business we see stuff, but we don't like, it's kind of like we're doing stuff, but it, 
it's getting there, but there's nothing we can. He can't physically see stuff. It's yeah. it's kind of very choppy. So there's something about like even like putting this table together. It's like okay, pull it out of the box, and then now I have it. It's all cleaned up and it looks good. Yeah. And there's something about just that where it's there's satisfaction to me in that mm-hmm. little regard and yard work or absolutely even just mowing your lawn. Like I know mm-hmm. it sounds crazy, but just sitting down, checking out from the world basically, and just doing that task. Cause there's a lot of uh, a lot of like, I'm very at peace doing that stuff. So I find woodworking, I think would be a fun hobby to do when I'm older. It's definitely, there's definitely a lot of satisfaction from like, you know, working hard all day and then like looking, turning around and seeing something finalized. And you're absolutely right in our business. It's, you know, we're helping people, you know, and we're, we're helping people with the, achieve their dream. Mm-hmm. But it's not like we look back at the end of the day and like we argued with underwriters on different conditions and got these things and, you know, we're able to make this, you know, whatever, da, 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 da. like we're doing our job. But at the end of the day, it's, we don't see any different and it's, you know, there's not that emotional, it's, there's nothing you can touch. And that, and that's one of the things that I love about like old tools. Like I just picked up, uh, uh, and you know, it's something I'm, I'm instilling in my kids too, you know, like is, you know, I got them all like their own little hand tools, but like they left them outside. So like, I'm like, okay, now you guys got to stand them down and, and reach and refinish them, you know? Cause mm-hmm. like wood is, you know, especially like hand tools, like it's, they're like the, each grain of a wood is like a straw. And like, you see how old wood gets like gray. Mm-hmm. It just needs oil. It needs to, it needs to drink. So like, and it's really cool to take old wood um, and like some of the handles that I've been working on for, you know, eight or 10 years now, and I've sanded them down and I've oiled them every year. And like, you know, it, they're, they're beautiful. Like, and I, and they're so smooth to like work with. And I, I love doing yard work now because I love the tools that I'm doing the yard work with. The, and well, what about steel? Can you do the same? Can you sharpen old steel? And honestly, the old stuff, like, you know, anything, you know, fifties and earlier, if you can get your hand on like a old fifties shovel or even like a rakes, hose, things like that, like the steel is thicker. It's more durable. Like it'll hold an edge better. Like today's Indian steel is like, is junk. You know I mean? Like, well, when, when you, how do you clean, like, can you get steel down to almost to the point where it looks brand new? Well, it's not, and it starts like rusting and chipping away. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, vinegar is a great way to do that. There's a lot of different products, uh, rust uh, remover, etc. But like, I mean, I've taken old. Um, <laughs> there's this one product. I, I don't know how to bend a, an axe handle, and I, I, one of the things I got actually got started on was axes because I was clearing this land up at camp, and I was broke at the time. So like, I started using axes and handsaws to like cut trees down, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of what started my passion for it. Um, and uh, um, but so, uh, one of my goals and you, it would be to build a timber frame cabin or a timber frame building and hand hew all the, uh, oh, all the wow. logs myself. It's really not that hard. Um, so you take a log and you just chip away at it and then you hit it and it just comes straight. And then you take this broad ax. Well, I found this broad ax. A garage sale fine and it was completely rusted, left it in a bucket of vinegar for a week and like, pulled it out, took a little uh, metal brush to it, and it was like it was brand new. Really? Edge was dull as hell, but spent some time filing it, and you're good to go. That's great. What, what's the process take normally when you get an old tool old tool until the point where you're like, this looks how I want it? Depends on the tool. Depends on its stage. I mean, I mean it could be like a week. Could it be a couple months? Could it be? You could do it in a night, depending. I mean, yeah. if it's not super rusty, but like, you know, you got to get that rust off it, but you know, within a week. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, it all depends on what time you got to do it. Like it, it can take days to get the rust off. Um, you know, there's, there's other ways to do it, like with a grinder, you know, to do that. But I think you take away a lot of the patina when you do it that way. And a lot of the, cause you're basically removing a layer of, of the, you know, of the metal, but, uh, but yeah. And then sometimes you hang a new handle on it. Um, you do different things like, um, one of, uh, one of the, um, gifts I'm giving to Benji this year is I found an old, uh, I got him in scouts and I found a vintage boy scout, uh, ax, uh, a little hatchet, uh, but the handle's broken. So I ordered him a new handle and I'm going to teach him how to hang his own hatchet. Hang his own hatchet. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to basically so give him, hanging? I'm going to, I'm going to give him a broken hatchet for Christmas and I'm going to give him a brand new handle and I'm going to show him how to put the new handle on that hatchet. And, but, but the other thing that, that I really want to impl- teach my boys is how to take care of things, mm-hmm. you know? And like, and, cause I, I, I think we live in a throwaway world. We live in a throwaway generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think with that, you know, like, I want to instill in them that like there's certain things like if you take care of something, you have this different, you look at it differently. You, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes less is more, right. You know, and if you can have less things that you absolutely love in your world, you know, um, you'll cherish them more. Um, no, I think that's cool. I think the one thing that I've noticed from your boys is, is like the work ethic of a young kid, like just, and that's something that, I think you and I were both brought up pretty similar in that respect. Like I just, I have no issue with working mm-hmm. like down to whatever. I've always oh, yeah. just been like, you know, even if it's just yard works, like I don't, I don't mind doing it. It just mm-hmm. has to get done. So like Rise just move, he- yeah, move here to here and just do what you got to do. Um, but I think that's something that like when I think about my kids, there's a couple things I want it. Like one is like, you have to earn what you want. Like you can't mm-hmm. just, you're not just be given what you want in anything. Um, and I think that's a hard, harsh reality for a lot of uh, early twenty-year-olds. I think when they go into the, you know, the real world, and mm-hmm. you know, they gotta actually do something. And I, I want to try to avoid that. Where I want the, I want them just to know, like, hey, if you want it, you can, you can get anything you want. You just have to like put your mind to it and work for it. And then, and it might not be a week or a day. It might be a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just treat or teach them to treat people the way you want to be treated. So I just always look at. If you can just be a good person and have a good like work hard for stuff, then you're pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. and those are kind of the two things that really jump out at me is I want them to have those characteristics. I think they go the farthest where you can be nice to people, and then you can also work hard. And I think by having those two, just a lot of good comes from both. And parenting's, I think from a parenting perspective, I'm, I want to have the. I kind of grew up with like the coaching aspect, like when I was coaching kids, I did this too. Like, I'm your friend. I'm, you know, I'll hang out with you. We'll, you know, we can, we can, uh, you know, be on, I don't, I, I never liked the coach player aspect where like, I'm coach. You got to be intimidated by me. You can't talk to me. And I didn't like that. Cause like, I don't think that, stra- that strategy works for some people, but I don't want you to be scared of me to do what I want you to do. So I want you to respect me and, and feel like I, I'm not scared to let him down. I feel bad that I let him down. So I always was the standpoint of, you know, when I was coaching, I want to be, you know, accessible to the kids. I want to have a connection with the kids. I want to be friendly with the kids. Um, I want to be in a position where they don't feel intimidated coming up to me or joking around with me or whatever. 
But then if they do something or they're out of line and I, I snap at them, then I want most of the time they were just like, oh, okay, sorry. Like they, cause then they, it was almost like a disappointment factor of like, he never gets mad only when there's something that, and usually they can, they know they did something bad. And I find that's kind of how I do it with the kids is that I don't want the kids to be afraid of dad. I don't want the kids to be like intimidated by dad or worried. Like if I do something, dad's going to like, I'm going to piss dad off or whatever. And I think that's like an old school mentality mm-hmm. where I don't want to, I won't be like a pushover. Cause like, and even the other day crew was doing something and we're like, I always like, I'm big on giving them hugs and kisses and hanging mm-hmm. out with them and just, you know, like my little buddy, but like they did something and I like snapped at him. I'm like, no, crew, you can't. And like, I could see him like, he got kind of upset and he kind of like put his head down and he was, and he knew he did something wrong because I very rarely snap at him mm-hmm. like that. And then, and again, like, not like, then I went and I kind of, after I did it, a couple seconds later, I went up to him and say, hey buddy, I just, like, he kind of talked to him, like, I just don't want you to do this because, and like, so he kind of understands, I'm not, I'm not like, like, don't, don't hate me. I'm not, I don't hate you. I'm just like, you did something that I told you not to do. And kind of using as a teachable moment where he realizes, um, like, there's boundaries like I have to kind of follow the rules but then I also want him to know like you know kind of like hey you messed up a little bit of course we're talking to a two-year-old here you mm-hmm. messed up a little bit but let's like, put it behind us and we'll just don't do it again all right mm-hmm. we're good and kind of, so I want to have that relationship with the kids where they know when we're upset me and Gina are kind of the same mm-hmm. we're pretty laid back but then we're we still have that mentality of like we're gonna sna- we're gonna call you out we're not just gonna let you get away with murder and yeah. you know you can cry because we're not gonna give you something like that's fine you can you can it might be hell for us for you know twenty minutes, but we can let you whine and you'll get over it. So, exactly. I don't know. Parent parenting is uh, man. Th- there's no rule book to parenting. I no. th- I always the people that read the blogs and the the books and the I'm like I remember going when Gina gave birth that I had no clue. I literally was like I was completely oblivious. I did zero research on how to have a kid. Did I? And I was just like you know what, I'm just gonna have a kid and figure it out. I'm mm-hmm. like we've been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years people figure out how to raise a kid thousands so, of years thousands right? of years yeah whatever however long people have been around and uh and i found that that's like that been the best thing is i just like roll with the punches and just mm-hmm. figure it out because common sense goes a long ways with parenting yep i uh i yelled at <laughs> levi last week so i put the I put the lights up on the on the house i'm up on the roof and uh and i'm up on the, the porch roof there and uh, put the lights up and i see something in the corner of my eye levi is 15 feet up on the top rung of the ladder wanting to get up on the roof to help me and i just turned around like you get down right now and i i i think i scared him so much i was scared that he was going to fall off the ladder yeah and like he just he saw this look of panic because i don't I, I mean like i i just snapped like that you know because i'm yeah. scared for my kid right yeah, like yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah, you're high up, buddy. Like, like I'm scared for you because you've put yourself in a place. I where I'm at right now, I can't physically help you if something were to happen and you would get very hurt. Um, and I'm glad that you want to help, but it's not it's not safe, right? And then like, and so I yell at him, and like, I because he's, he's, he's about what four now? He yeah, it'd be four in February. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, like it's but that's four times he would like. You know, I mean, he's three and a half feet tall. He's 15 feet up on a ladder. Like, uh, you know, long way down. It's a long way down. It's a long way down for you and I. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Scares me getting up there. Jeez. Uh, You know, I got a little more mass too. But uh, (laughs) anyway, but uh, I I get down and I'm like, and and he gets off the ladder and he's all, he's upset because I yelled at him and I'm like, like, bud, that's not safe. 
Like, I, I know you want to help, and I'm glad that you want to help, and I'm super excited you want to help. But you put yourself in a place where you could get really hurt. Was he okay, though? No, oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Like he, Which is crazy, because he just went right back down the ladder. Yeah, he went right back down the ladder himself. But, like, he, he just, like, I'm just sitting up on the ladder on this roof, and I'm freaked, man. I, I was just, in that moment, I was so scared, you know, because, like, I didn't... <laughs> I'm try- I was going to say, it's been very... Inf- one is it's going to happen with Oakland, not Crew. Oh, yeah. Crew Crew's a little more like more cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, Oakland is just go, and yeah. we're starting to find the. Uh, she's getting. She's not at two yet, but eighteen months is when they say like terrible twos. I think it's really eighteen months, mm-hmm. and then uh, that's kind of when both kids had started kind of getting a little more wild and crazy, and um, so she's getting a little more crazy right now. But she's yeah. her personality's coming out, so you kind of take the good with the bad, meaning like she's. Whatever she's doing personality-wise is far outweighs like the little hellion that she can be. But mm-hmm. and then Cruz usually just pretty mild mannered, except when she's around. Then then we start getting the sibling fights and more one sided. But um, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's pretty wild. Um, so in regards to kind of swinging back more to business, like were you like from a goal setting? You're you're a goal setting guy. I know that, but you know what is what is some stuff that you're looking at? Like you've built a company up 13 years from start to where you are now. Obviously you're not one of those people that's complacent and being like, ah, I'm good. Like I'm going to kind of like just kind of hang out and just kind of like ride off into the sunset. And then, you know, is it, do you have like, I know we've talked about stuff and you don't have to go super in detail, but is there things that like you're focused on over the next few years as to like, here's some company goals. Here's some things that here's some visions that we think we can pull off with the people that we have now. Cause again, you have a lot of, a lot of firepower now within the, within just the office. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I've, uh, it's been very hard and I've honestly been a little scared cause it's like you, I, I, I recently just achieved like to, to me, if you could help 30 families in one month, you were like, that's like a career goal for me. Yeah. And I've been, I've, we've done that f- four or five months this year. That's wild. And, uh, it's been, um, and I haven't worked more than 40 hours a week once this year. And so my time is good. So like, I know the business is running super smooth. So I've really kind of been squandering like, and I've always, I've kind of always been very pointed to your, to your point. And I've, I'm, I've really been struggling the last few months to figure out like, what is the next step? And I mean, and, and it's also been more difficult for me because I'm I'm a connector. I love to connect to the people and the way the world is today. Yeah. It's been very difficult to do that. So I've actually, the last six months has been really hard personally on me because I'm trying to figure out like, where am I going to go professionally? And I've got a couple of points. Um, I I really like coaching. Mm-hmm. I really, like I told you earlier, I really like helping other people. Um, so I, what my plan is going forward is to run my business here. I really don't think I can grow much more here. Yeah. We've we're we're about a thirty five percent market share, thirty seven percent market share, um, which is amazing. Um, you know, I, I wanna but I think I can probably do that. My business is automated and I can probably input about 20 hours a week on it. Part of me was thinking about like, well, could I do it and like take every other week off? But I, I, that's not, yeah, it's not me. Like I, I grew up like, yeah. like, it, like it, you, you, you need to be the first one in the office, last one out. Like you need to go work your tail off. Like that's mm-hmm. what, you know, like that's what a, a 
man does like that's that was what i grew up with you know i mean this i i can't do that so um i'm gonna dedicate a day next year every friday i've got blocked off completely uh just to training i'm gonna i'm gonna learn and implement every day like one of the things that i've I've struggled with. I mean, I think I've been a very good implementer of things, but like, I'm literally going to devote a day to like, uh, get, there's a couple certifications that I've really wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm going to be doing that. Um, I'm going to spend a whole day to coaching and basically I'll, I'm going to s- devote two days to m- my business here in Plattsburgh. I'm going to spend a day recruiting, uh, other people into cross country mortgage across the country. Um, I'm going to spend a day, uh, coaching people, um, whether that, uh, is local business people, um, there's a couple of people that I'm, I'm coaching right now, um, you know, helping them grow their business. There's a couple of people, um, that are loan officers in the country that I'm helping right now. Um, and I'm just going to, so I'm going to spend a day recruiting a day coaching and a day learning and implementing is kind of my goal for next year. Yeah, um, like <clears throat> where's that going to bring me kind of, you know, I'm, um, I, I've been, well, we won't get into that. Um, but I've been, I don't know. I, I really don't know what exactly is going to be like. Normally, I've got a good five or 10 year plan mapped out and I don't have one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think my thing that I would really like to do in the next five years, if I was to just kind of throw a dart at something is I want to try and uh, bring 50 people into cross country mortgage loan officers and help them grow their business. The average loan officer in the country is closing three to four transactions a month, helping three to four families a month. Um, and if I can get them from helping three to four families a month to eight to 10 families a month, that's going to change their world. They're going to be able to give back at us at a super high level. Um, you know, I've been able to give back and I, you know, I set some crazy goals for myself this year. Um, and, uh, you know, just different things. Like one of my goals was to give away 30 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just hit that last week. Nice. Um, yeah. So I'm super like, it's, that was a, that was a moonshot goal for me Yeah, and I was able to do that. Um, and, um, but you know, one of the things that I, I've realized from the people, some of the people that I follow and some of the things that are like, I can only do so much, but if I could go teach 50 people how to triple their business, and teach them how to give and teach them how to be humble. Well, maybe those 50 people could each give away 10 grand mm-hmm. too. Well, that would be half a million dollars that I could directly help other people do and teach them how to give. Yeah. I, well, I think that's, and it's probably going to be more than I'll ever be able to do. And like, and uh, you know, the, the giving side of it has been something that's really been very, the last like two years has been really just awesome to me. And it's, it's really helped me, you know I mean? But yeah, I think that's, uh, that's always something that you, I'm slowly coming into that. Cause you, that's something that you always hear like successful people talk about. And it's funny cause when I first started in real estate or my professional working career, it was like, I got to like take care of myself, not to be selfish, but like to survive. I got to take care of myself. And that was always, and I've always done like donations and stuff. I've always, like little small things, but you, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of give what you can and you know, and that's why I hate asking for donations because some people just think not that they don't want to, a lot of people just financially can't do it even though they would love to. So as I've, you know, gotten more and more, um, as I've grown more and more, like 
things start to kind of jump out a little bit more of what I what I find that I want to give money to, um, and then also being in a position to give more money. And I, it's funny because the giving part of it has really jumped to the forefront of what I want to accomplish mm-hmm. in my career. Which is it, it, it's funny because you think a few years back I was just like, listen, like more selfishly because it was more like survival mode. Like, and now I'm to the point where. I can see what's happening. I'm like, you know what? I can get into a position where I can. My long, my long term goal. Now this is like a 50, 60 mm-hmm. year. What am I? Th- uh, be almost thirty one. So probably fifty. I was thinking like into my eighties and nineties because I was. I always say modern medicine. I'm gonna probably live. We're all gonna live way past a hundred. And knowing myself, I can't stop doing something. My mind. I just mind. I got to do something. So. My ultimate goal is to accumulate as much wealth as possible to dump it back into the North Country. And mm-hmm. just because I don't I don't really look at like I don't want to move anywhere else. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't wanna I wanna try to just invest back in our community Absolutely. as much as I can. So that is the long term goal, which is a fifty plus year goal. But like right now I'm trying to learn myself. I'm trying to make connections with people. I'm trying to connect with like minded people to hopefully we all can do this going forward. And I think that's why you and I connect so well and but that is, from the giving standpoint, that is a brand new thing that I've really taken on. And then also starting the golf tournament was another kind of smaller mm-hmm. thing of that, which I think that's just going to take off. And I go think crazy. that's super cool. And, yeah. it, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, if you play, we may get you in next year. Okay. Because I, 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 you, I, don't I, I was in a league this year. I played every Monday. Really? Yeah. So maybe you want. You want I was play? the worst person in the league, but I played every Monday. <laughs> we had some not very good golfers that played. It's a very inclusive event. The handicaps work out amazing. Basically, if you're a fun person and like want to have a beer and hang out, then you'll be fine. You check the boxes. So I want to want to show you this. So I've carried this around with me for years. Oh, you've had yeah, you've yeah. had this for a while. Um, so that was a coin that I got uh, from an old coaching group I was with, mm-hmm. and on the front of it, it says "Make, Save, and Give." And I, I think that there's a lot to that. You have to be able to, there's, there's a hierarchy, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have to make money first, mm-hmm. right? Before you can save it, before you can do it, you actually have to earn cash. And then from that, then you can start to save it. You can pay off debt. You can do those, those things. But then once you start to save some money and do it, the coolest thing that you can do with money is give it away. Mm-hmm. Like that is my absolute, like it, oh man, it like when I can help other people, when I was, when I knew that, like, it, honestly, that's like one of my, like, like I, there's no way I could even fathom it, but I, like a 10 year goal for me, like I'm 35 right now. If I'm 45, if I could give away a hundred grand, mm-hmm. like I can't, what would I have to do in my business to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how many families would I need to help in order to be able to do that? And like, like you can only make so much and as a driving force. Mm-hmm. And then it was say, like, I mean, it's like, it's the giving that drives me now. Like it's the, I know that if I, if I don't, I, I mean, I, I could probably work 20 hours a week mm-hmm. and with where I'm at, I'd, I'd be automated enough where I could, I could be fine. But, and that's really hard for me to be okay with because I came from a family of grinders, you know, like, um, and, and it's, it's really, it's something that I've really struggled with emotionally, um, is that it's okay to do okay. It's okay to be well off, but 
I, I think the giving port portion of it is the part that I'm, I'm just the most excited about. Like, like I think about how many other people I can bless, how many other people that I can help feed, how many other, like the, you know, you can, you can do certain time things. Like I love giving back to the fire department. I love, I'm, I'm a den leader in, in the, the mm-hmm. boys cub scouts. Um, you know, I love helping other people, you know, implement, you know, learn those different things. But, um, I think the, the giving is really the, just, it, 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 it strokes a different tune in your heart, you know, like, um, no, I, I agree. So that, that's when I talk about, um, like leveraging myself, I want to leverage myself in the company so I don't have to spend 60 hours in the company a week, but I'm like you, I don't, I'm not going to take four. I'm not going to just go down the 20 hours and just hang out. And I think that's what some people think is you get to a business point where you're just like, you're done and you hang out. Like I'm, I don't want to retire at 40, 45 years old. Like, like I, my, I look at it as like, I want to go into the next step and I want to build something that basically builds a step to the next step and then to the next step and each step. I know it's going to get directed away from business and into more of like charity or organization. Like I'm not on any boards right now that's planned. I don't want to be on any boards because of time, because I want time for here and I want time for my family. So like that, that stuff to me takes away one of the two, Mm -hmm. but I know once I can leverage this, it's going to now allow me to go out and also gives me time to learn stuff right now. So when I go and I, I go on to boards that I'm passionate about that I can make, I can give 100% and make a difference. I, I always like, I can go to a board meeting. I'm going to go in, check the box I was there and leave. I'm not going to make an impact on it because I, and I, and I, same thing with uh, donating time and stuff for certain charities. Like I, I would love to, I just don't yeah. have the time to do it. I will donate to it. And I, I wish I could give more time, but everybody's at different places and stuff. And same thing, like I wouldn't have been able to pull off this golf tournament, which I know was like, I mean, it, in two years, we've raised $7,000 for the JCO That's and awesome. United Way, which and the thing I'm more, most passionate about is charities that have to do with people locally in the, the area. Mm-hmm. And also now having kids, like children's charities, just like I'm a sucker for children's charities. Like mm-hmm. if it's going to help kids, especially kids that are not that fortunate, like that's what this tournament's for. I and mean, that's why we're, that's the money's all, it was, I mean, it's jokingly for the kids, but it literally is we're donating and, and raising money for kids. Um, but I was, I was able to do that from being leveraged in the office that it, it allowed me to step out a couple hours a week to work on this. Cause it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't just happen. There was like, there was a few hours devoted behind the scenes each week to make it happen. Um, and taking that aspect of leverage is I'm very excited. I think things are going to shift for me in about five years where I'm going to be able to step out kind of like you're doing and fill my hours up with next like level up hour leveling up of what I can do because I have the, the groundwork later. I'm laying the, the, you know, building a building and I'm laying the bricks right now for the foundation. And then I can go and then um, I kind of find like my first 10 years of my career was like finding the land and like pouring the foundation. Mm-hmm. And then I find like my next 10 years is going to be starting to like frame out the house mm-hmm. and, and kind of put it in a house analogy. And then like, you know, 10 years from now, I might start to be, I might start to put in like the electric and plumbing. And then eventually my later career, it's like doing the finishing work and the home decor and making it in the, you know, like, like I find that that's like an analogy from my, if my life is building a house, like right now I've, my first few years was like finding the lot and then which I, I kind of use as my first five years in business. Mm-hmm. My last five years has been laying a foundation. And then I really think the next 
five to 10 years is going to be framing out the house and like actually building the infrastructure and then adding to it with other stuff. So um, it's, I'm excited because it's, as with anything else, there's really no end goal. It's Mm -hmm. like, I have an end goal, but my end goal is to pump as much, you know, time, energy, finances, resources back into our community and do as much as I can in 50 to 60 years. And that's like, that's it. There's no like metric. It's not like I'm ever going to be like, you know what? We've, we're good. I'm not going to do any more. You know, I've done as much as I can give. And like, my thing is like, I just want to do it till I physically can't do it anymore because I just think that's like a cool, I got to work towards something. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, if I didn't do that, I'd, be t- I'd, I'd go and dig a ditch just to see that I was doing something. Like I can't just sit there. <laughs> like I, it's just, I gotta, I have to, I have to always have something to it's do. In the same way. Yeah. yeah and like, yeah. I can't sit down and just like, we watched, this was a couple of weeks ago. Hamilton, you've heard of Hamilton, the play? I have, yeah. I haven't seen it. Have, okay, so it's on Disney Plus. So we're sitting there one night. We're like, let's watch Hamilton. Everybody says it's good. And this was like, I don't know, a Friday, Saturday night. We started at probably like 9 o'clock. Kids went to bed, started it. And it's a pretty long. It's about two, almost three hours long total. By the middle of the second act, I was already on my phone looking up stuff on my phone about whatever. I don't know, stuff in my, rambling through my head and I was looking up and it was playing in the back. It got, I didn't pay attention almost the entire time. I was like listening to the music, but I'm like, I can't follow this. I'm like, my, I'm just mentally checked out already. And we're only in the second scene. By the time I got to intermission, needless to say, we have not finished the movie. We got to intermission. And I like, I basically watched, a, a, I was like focused on a scene and a half. And I completely just, and this is supposed to be like one of the best Broadway shows ever. I'm like, I'm out. I can't even, I can't even pay attention long enough to get through a, a first act of a play. Because I just like my mind's running with a million things and I'm like researching stuff and I'm looking up stuff that it's just I'm just different. Like I just Does that bother you? I love it. Does it what? Does, does what it, bother me? That you can't focus. I can't I can focus on certain things. Mm-hmm. I focus on things I want to focus on. Fair. But I don't focus on me perfect example. I'm I was watching yesterday mm-hmm. stuff on marketing. I focused on that for like 20 minutes like watching it like like watching it and taking notes mm-hmm. no issue doing that have me relax and watch hamilton i'm like i'm like i'm like okay i like i get it it's like i don't know it's about alexander hamilton they rap and like i'm done i just i just lost focus <laughs> with it and i don't i don't it doesn't bother me that i i'm all over the place but i if it's something that i want to do productively i will focus on it yeah but hamilton I think it's cool. I like history. I thought it was like kind of there's some catchy songs, but <laughs> I, but that's just an example of like I can't even like everybody raves about that show. And like I couldn't even make it through the f- second scene of that show before I was just checked out. Oh. Gina didn't even watch the second act. Like oh, we got wow. to like an intermission. There's like a one minute intermission yeah. part and just out. So oh, shit. I don't know. But um, we good there? Yeah, I think it's good. We covered we covered uh, we covered a lot today. Covered man. some. We, we actually we, we actually hammered out a lot in about not that long of a time. Yeah. We, yeah, we kind of went all over the place. That's yeah. good, dude. I, I just, I just have to say, I, I've known you for probably about a decade now, and yeah, you hold a special place in my heart. Like it's uh, thanks, buddy. I mean, yeah, I from I remember the, like the first night we connected, it was like just getting red wine drunk in my backyard because you were, you know, like, cause your dad lived like behind my first house. Also one of the worst hangovers. Ever yeah. Had. I same. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, I mean, you've been there through a, a lot of pivotal points in my life. Um, we've been kind of rapping, you know, every other week about our businesses for the last decade. And just to see you grow as a man, to see you grow as a, a father and as a husband and, and in business as well. It's just, it's remarkable, man. And I'm just so glad to uh, have been a part of your journey. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's been, been a wild 10 years. <laughs> and again, I, I don't think it's it's going to... Strap in, man. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think, I think, I think, I think for both of us, we're just like we're we're just ramping, like we're slowly yeah. ramping up, we're accelerating. So, um, but yeah, like I said, you meet you meet people for ten years ago to meet you and still see you as much as I see you back then. Like we've never lost touch over ten years. Like I mean, I don't very consistent. You know, too. you and I have been more business friends than I mean, we've got we've had obviously a personal friendship as well. Yeah. But like, um, you know, I, I would definitely say like your we do more business together than we you know do like more yes. personal friend things. Um, you know, like you know, you've never been over for Thanksgiving dinner that type of thing. You know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. But like, even of those friends that are in my life, like I don't know if I've had anybody. Not there's only a handful of people that have been consistently in my life through thick and thin, and no matter what's happening, you've always been there, brother, and I really appreciate yeah. that. No, same. Cool. It's it'll be, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm ready for the. It's been a good ten years, but I think we're. Uh, I think I think it's we'll be seeing be a, each other it's for be a, a long, wild twenty. I was going to say <laughs> be a hell of an anniversary. So. Um, well, if anybody needs to find you or your team, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, my website, adamapproves.com. Uh, you can give us a call, 324-5080, But yeah, uh, give, drop me a line if, uh, if you're interested in growing your business, if you're interested in talking about uh, mortgages. You know, I do that, but like uh, one of my, my things that I love to do is just talk business with, uh, with other people. And I think that's why Galen and I have become such good friends because we've been able to really critique each other honestly about our businesses. And and uh, um, to me, business is a, it's a it's a fun sport, and it's uh, um, I just I love it. You know, I, I love the the mundane of of good business. Have you ever read the book the uh, the sport of business no. by Mark Cuban? No, well, it's, it's good. Cuban. Nice. It's a very I read I listened to the audiobook very quick. It's okay. it's probably only a few hours long, but cool. I'll check it out. Um, yeah, it's a good good one. To, it puts. It puts a lot of things in perspective from like if you have a sports background. So uh, that is it. Episode one hundred eight with Adam Crosley. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.